Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, good afternoon to all of my listeners, some of which I noticed are current piano students and some of which I noticed hopefully are new. Um, I want to thank Angela for hosting and Katie for her streaming expertise. And um, before I officially start, I'm uh, more than happy to answer any questions as I go along. In fact, I kind of like that. Um, not tremendously comfortable talking for 15 minutes straight. So any questions are more than welcome. And um, let's begin. So uh, I was reminded last time that sometimes there are uh, people in the audience who have been following me the last three or four weeks. So I'm going to try not to repeat myself. And uh, because I can't quite tell who's new and who isn't, I'm going to assume that everyone is pretty much new and that I will be, um, excuse me, everyone's pretty much heard a lot of what I've said. So I'm going to present new things. So today I want to go over um, one of the chapters in my new jazz piano method book. I call it chord coloring. Basically I'm going to walk you through how to soup up or add harmony, colorful chords, colorful harmonies to uh, chords in the song Happy Birthday. Okay, well, now a lot of people think, or I believe they have a conception that, oh, to play jazz, you've got to have a great ear or just you're kind of born with this ability to improvise. Jazz is actually very structured and really has a lot of um, concepts that are that can be used uh, in addition to, you know, the ultimate ultimate bottom line is the ear, right? So I intend to show you some of those today. So let's take a tune like Happy Birthday. And we're going to start out, I'm going to play it with just three note chords, so-called triads um, in the left hand with the melody in the right. So that's basically using the one, four, and five chords in the key of C, which we know from prior presentations that those are always going to be major. Okay, so that's the basic three note chord arrangement. Now, if we were to add a sixth, that would be the first color note that I would uh, suggest that we try. So if we could start with a G6, it would be something like this. Not bad. Now here's C6. That's not quite great. Ah, oh, that's a six. Oops. C6. Here's an F6. Not bad. Back to C6. And then triad six. Okay, so all the major chords, you can try to add a six for a little bit more color. And of course, that's going to be a four note chord, right? As opposed to the triad. So that's kind of a rule. You can try and add a six to any major chord. One more time. Here's C major six. That's well, not great there. I would just keep the triad. Okay, so that's a sixth. Again, that's good. That's an F six to C six. I don't like the six there. Back to C six. Okay, so it adds a little bit more color. Now, we can try to add a seventh. That would be the next step. Um, here's a seventh. Here's G7, four note chord, which pulls nicely to C major seven. 
That sounds nice, right? Now here's your G7, again, four note chord, seventh chord. That sounds very good. C6 or C major seven. Let's check that out. If I play C major seven, that seventh tone and the melody conflicts. So C major seven does not work there. And that particular, for that particular melody, what I would use C6, okay? Again, you don't want the seventh on the left, which is B, and the melody is C. That's what I call the dreaded flat nine interval. It's an octave and a half step. That's the most dissonant, displeasing interval on the piano. So at that particular juncture, I would use the C6. So let's go back briefly. So we've got uh, G7, C major seven. Here's a G7, and again, here I'm gonna use C6, because I can't use the seven. It conflicts with the melody. Here we go. Now here, different melody. I can do C major seven. Here's my F major seven. That's nice. Back to C major seven, G seven. And then because of the melody, I'm gonna do a C six. Okay. All right. That's adding sevenths. Four note chord, seventh tone. Now, let's see, how about ninths? Let's see if we can do some ninths. So that's gonna require that for some of the melody notes, I'm gonna have to play it open, meaning lower, so I have room to add the ninths. So here's a G9, basically a five note chord. That sounds very nice. Here's C major nine. Okay. Now here's G9. More color, right? G9. Here's C major nine. It's not going to sound good because we have the seventh. Right? A nine, I should state, nine assumes a seventh. So I've got to do a six chord there. There we go. Here's C major nine. Very nice. Here's F major nine. Oh, that's pretty. All right. C major nine. Here's a G nine. And then my C six. Okay. So those sounded pretty nice. Again, some of them have to be played open low uh, simply because we don't have room to do the ninth. Gets in the way of the melody. Okay, now, if we have a, hmm, let's go with flat nine. If we have a dominant chord, we can try to use a flat nine as a color, meaning the ninth down a half step. So that would sound something like this. Hmm, that's different. Um, I don't know if I like it, but it's not conflicting. So here's C major nine. This was G7 flat nine versus G9. Yeah, I don't know if I like the flat nine, but this is a possibility. C major nine. Now here's a G7 flat nine. It's different. And here's a G9. Back to my C6. C major nine. F major nine. Major nine. Let's try a flat nine here. G7 flat nine. Ah, there it sounds good. Okay, so there's several rules here. Number one, the only type of chord you can use a flat nine in, on is a dominant chord. Okay, you can't do it with major, you can't do it with minor, just the dominant. So 
that narrows our choices, right? So whenever I have a dominance G, like G7, that's the possibility that I could do a flat nine. May or may not sound good, but that's the only type of chord that can, you can try to add a flat nine to. Okay. Um, so we're on the ninths. Now let's try elevenths. Elevenths can only be, as a color note, can only be used with the dominance. So here's a G11. That's kind of nice, right? I cannot use it with the major. You'll hear how bad this sounds. Right? And the reason is that the 11th is the same as the fourth. And we can't play a four and a major third, right? The major, major chords take a major third. And we can't really play a, we don't want to play a four and a three. Because then we have that dissonance, the dreaded octave and a half step. So you can only try flat nines with dominance. You can only try elevenths with dominance and with minors. So other words, another way of saying that is you can't try the elevenths with majors. So here's G11 because it's dominant. Here's a major chord, so we'll stick with the major nine. Here's my G7 flat nine. Let's see if that sounds. All right, we could try a G11. Let's try it. Here we go. G11. Not going to sound good because the melody is the major third. So these, there's these slight um, specific melody notes that can prohibit using certain colors. Okay, when the third is the melody of the chord, you can't do the fourth, basically. So we won't do it there. So here we go: G11, C major nine. We'll do G7 here. And how about G11 here? It's not bad. I like that. That's good. And now it's C6. C major 9. F major 9. Again, we can't do 11 because it's a major chord. All right. Back to major 9. Can't do an 11 because it's major. Here's my G11. It's dominant. And that's pretty. All right. Back to C6. Okay. So I know it's quite a bit of information, but if you just write these down or, you know, study it, basically the flat nine can only be added as a color with the dominant chord. And the 11th cannot be used with a major. Because again, a major would take a major third. 11 is the same letter as the fourth. All right, so that's the 11s. The flat nines, uh, let's try 13. So this is G13. Nice bright jazz sound. That's a G dominant 13. So here we go, G13. Here's my C major nine. Actually, it's a C major 13 because the melody. Here's my G13. Very nice, right? There we go, G13. Here's my C6. Here we go. Here's a C major 13. Oh, that's nice. Let's see if a 13 works here. Not bad. Here's a 13, C major 13. And my G 13. Okay. So what they call the, what's called the extended endings or the extended, uh, the extensions or Extended colors are the 9, 11, and 13. Okay. 
but they have some restrictions uh, with them. Oh, I forgot one more. It's called the Quartal 6-9. Let's see if that works. It's a really jazzy tune. So uh, let's do the 13th. Here we go. G13. Here's a C major 9. Here's a G13 flat 9. That's different. <laughs> Here's a G flat 13. Now here, instead of playing C6, which is kind of an old-fashioned sound. It's not bad, but it's kind of dated. We could do what's called a quartal 6-9. Right? Very modern jazz sound. It's called quartal because the distance between each note is perfect force. It's one of the only chords that you can get all the notes you need and play it, uh, play the intervals as force. So from C to G is a fourth. G to D is a fourth, 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 and the bottom interval is a third, but it's 85% quartal voicing. So G, so it's called C, Charlie, quartal six, nine. Okay, so here we go. C major nine. And I could try a quartal six, nine here, because it's C major basically. I don't think I like that. I like major nine better. Now here's my G7, flat nine. And instead of ending at C6, I'm gonna add with the quartal six nine. Okay. So that quartal six nine is a very modern jazz sound, which is uh, basically what we want. Okay. So to kind of review, if you have a dominant chord, you can try a flat nine as a color. Well, as a, well implicit and dominant is a seventh. But for added color, you can do a nine, flat nine, um, 11, or 13, or flat 13. So lots of color with the dominance. For the majors, you can do major six, um, major seven, major nine, quartal six, nine, and thirteens. Uh, so quite a few choices there. Okay, and if there were any minor chords, you can do a ninth and an eleventh for the minors, basically. Okay, so as a rule, you can add a ninth to pretty much any chord. That's kind of an always statement. Okay. All right, so I didn't really change any chords. There were still C's and G's and F's, but I added color, what I call chord coloring. So if you understand those rules, right? Nine can go with anything. Flat nine is restricted to dominant, etc. Then if you have a fake book, right, a lead sheet, you can buy a fake book for $30. You've got 900 songs. They come with chord symbols, right? They might say F major, or they might say G7. But when you experiment with these colors, you can add your own colors to it and really make the song your own. And to me, that's you know the most rewarding part of playing piano, right? If I'm playing Happy Birthday... I'm doing a raised fifth there as another color, dominant. It's probably somebody's birthday out there. I'm just feeling it. Well, maybe not. Okay. So that, when I play that, you know, that's, I don't, I didn't buy that arrangement. 
actually, honestly, that was my jazz teacher's arrangement, but I understand the colors that can go with those chords. And so again, if you buy a fake book, it's a great value, by the way, right? $30, you get like 900 songs. And that's in the form of what are called lead sheets, right? The melody only on the treble clef, but chord symbols above that. And you know your chords from, you know, studying chord drills. Okay. Are there any questions out there? I'm assuming no, but if so, I'll take a, a minute here to field any questions. There are raised hands. Oh, great. Um, uh, phone number 571-917. You may unmute. Yeah, hi. Hi, Mark. This is Pamela. Again. Hi, Pamela. Um, hi, how are you doing? I'm um, doing well. How are you? Know, pretty good. Uh, pretty good. Great. Um, that's very interesting about the different coloring you can get. I have two questions. One is, um, what are the notes again um, that, that you can do with the uh, dominant chords and what does it mean by a, what do you mean by a dominant chord? Sure. I haven't heard that term before. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for the question. Yeah, very good question. Uh, dominant chord is a major triad, consists of a major triad, for example, C, C Charlie, right? But what makes it dominant is it has a major third, in this case, E, Edward, but you add a lowered seventh. Now, the lowered seventh is located one whole step below the eight, eight being the octave of the root. So basically, you can think of a dominant chord as having a major third, just like a C major triad. E, Edward, is the major third. But you add the lowered seventh, right, one whole step below eight. And that gives us the, the C dominant seven sounds got that tension, right? It's got, oh, right, it needs resolution. All right, so I always teach my students the dominant chord is think of it as a major third with a lowered seventh, okay, as opposed to a major third with a major seventh, which would be a half step below eight or the octave of the root. Right, so C major seven is all white because the seventh note of C major scale, seventh note of the C major scale is a B. Well, that major seventh tone will always be a half step below eight. The dominant chord will always take a lowered seventh, one whole step below eight, but it has the major triad below it. So it really is the only chord that when you play the triad, C major triad, and you add the lowered seventh, it's the only chord that changes its, its function and its name. It goes from major to dominant. Okay. And it's got that tension. Dominant chords have tension. They need resolution. They demand resolution. Uh, I forget what the first question. I think it was about coloring, but I'm not sure. <laughs> if you can ask it again, Pamela, or if that covered it. Right. Yeah, what are the um, what are the chords that can be done with the um, um what did you say the chord the what could be done with the dominant chords? You said thirteen, and it was one. All right, thank you, thank you. Yes, yeah. Um, Starting with the uh, logically in terms of numbers. Yeah. So the dominant chord implicit in that is a lowered seven. So that's a given major third, lowered seven. So you can do a ninth with the dominant. You can do a flat nine, right? 
and you can do an 11. Sorry, that was a 13 with an added 11th. All right, so you can do 11. So it's 9, flat 9, uh, 11, and 13. And in all honesty, you can do, <laughs> oh my God, there is more. There's a sharp 11. Yeah, well, so let me give you that in order again. So these are the possible colors for dominance. 9, flat 9, sharp 9, 11, sharp 11, 13, and flat 13. So it's no wonder that jazz, because jazz has lots of dominant chords in it, that you can do so many colors. All right, that's a sharp 11, sharp 11, sharp 11. Right, that's the tune during that dream. So yeah, lots of colors. Dominants have the most uh, possible colors to add. Okay, so that's what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven different uh, extensions or colors can be added to any dominant. So thank you for that question, Pamela, for questions. <laughs> All right, there are more questions here. A 304 phone number ending in 942. You can unmute. There we go. <laughs> Mind have been three for two, but they had us. Hello, my name's Sierra. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, well, I just thought I would say, it's nice to be here, and I, so, I, I always wanted piano lessons, <laughs> but, <laughs> oh yeah, and, but, but there's nobody here in, where I live here in West Virginia, who uh, who does it? But but I have always wanted to because well well in fact I I guess I can play a little bit but uh -huh. but um you know I. I can only play, I only play notes of the melodies of songs. Yeah. So, uh, so it, it would be fun to, to learn how to like really play, you know, like you to like doing the chords and all. Yeah. As a matter of fact, though, it, it, I could show you if you like. It, it's something because I was listening in last time, and I um, I know that you 
you know, on ACB Media. And and uh, you played Fairleaf, for uh-huh. example. Yes. And, and 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 so I'd like to learn to really play, you, you know, something like that. I understand. I understand. Yeah, so, you know, if you go to my website, piano le- excuse me, blindpianolessons.com, and if you fill out the contact page, I can call you or I can email you and we'll set up, you know, some free lessons. I'd be happy to, to show you, um, you know, the way I teach. No obligation, but um, I have students in Virginia and Maryland right around you, so it works well. What is your name? I forget Sarah? Yeah, Withers. Yes. Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to my website, blindpianolessons.com, or, you know, a friend or relative goes there, just mention your name, that you were, you know, that you were on uh, ACB, and I will send you some free stuff, and we can talk. How's that sound? Actually, I just saw your I just saw your name come up, Sierra. I wrote down Sarah. It's Sierra. Yeah. If you go to my website, please, you know, then I'll have your phone number, and I'm happy to call you and you know see if we can work something out. Okay. You're welcome. You're welcome. Please do, please do contact me because I'm happy to give you some free lessons. Okay. All right, next, if you're ready for more questions. Yes, I am. Is Connie Bateman. You may unmute. Hi, Connie. Hi, Mark. Uh, I've been following you since the beginning because I'm just totally fascinated by this whole thing. Oh, thank so, you. Um, yeah, and the one last week who told you that I used to play Christian popular, well, contemporary Christian songs and popular songs when I was a teenager and, er, and uh-huh. young adult, but I haven't played for so many years. So I finally got an AC adapter for my keyboard, so now I have no excuse. <clears throat> it works uh-huh. now. Um, uh-huh. uh, but I find that if I just play... Okay, so I'm experimenting. I'm playing stuff in just C, G, and F, you know. No sharps okay. with flats, one sharp, one flat. Uh, but yeah. uh, I can play the melody, uh, melodies, and I can play the chords. But I find if I do the just the straight triads, even if they're in, 
if I invert stuff, it, it kind of reminds me of how I used to play in the first grade. Um, <laughs> so so I, I feel like it sounds better if I add the bass notes on the bottom. So okay. I, can pl- I can play the melodies and I can play the chords with the bass notes separately. But when I try to put them together, I feel like I'm a, a musical klutz. <laughs> because mm. i haven't played for so long so sure. what what could you do with with sure with yeah. someone in my that situation yeah so a quick question for you so if you're playing the melody in the right hand you're playing mm-hmm. a bass note in the left hand are you putting elements of the chord underneath the melody in the right hand i'm i'm trying sure yeah because that's going to for depending on the melody that's going to force you to play an inversion most likely right yes At some points right so um that's interesting yeah, um, which, you know, is one way of playing. If you're doing like rock and roll, right, that left hand's quite busy. It can't help you mm-hmm. out chord-wise. you got to put the whole chord in the right hand, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that's interesting. So I, I teach several one-handed students, and one of the things you always want to do in the right hand, particularly for if you're only one-handed, but even for in your situation, is you want to make sure that you play the third and the seventh in the right so this is all right hand only. Mm, so wow. basically, I'm just taking the right hand melody and I'm saying, okay, got to have the melody and my third and mm-hmm. seventh. Okay, and then uh, maybe the 13th, right? Or how about the flat nine? There it is. Okay, so there's this hierarchy. I appreciate your question. There's this hierarchy or what are the most important notes? Well, the most important notes of any chord are the third and the seventh, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if I get the third and the seventh in there, it sounds pretty good. If I add a little more color, well, that's good, right? Or 13, right? But believe it or not, the root and the fifth are expendable, particularly the fifth. That seems contrary to logic, but believe it or not, here's Misty. I won't play any roots. I didn't play any D, did not play any G of the G7, but I played the important notes. There's no C in that chord, but it's, okay. So my point is, if you want to add color in your right hand, go for the third and seventh. Uh, well, if you're going to do a major, it'll be, you know, C major seven. If you're going to do a dominant, then you got all those colors that I alluded to, right? Nine, flat nine. So here's Misty with, again, this is right hand only. I've got this hierarchy, if you will, of priorities. I got to have the melody, got to have the seventh, got to have the third, and then anything else is, is a, you know, icing on the cake. So this is one-handed. There's my seven and third. Three and seven. Here's my three and seven. Okay, so let me prove that in one other way quickly. This is C major seventh chord, all white notes. This is a C dominant seventh chord. And here's a C minor seven. Well, all three of those chords have a unique sound, but they all have a C and a G that are common, right? The root and the fifth did not change. It's the third and the seventh that's giving the different sound with us the different functionality. So my best advice to you would be, yeah, you've got the melody in the right hand. Trying adding some major sevens or sixes to your major chords and try really have fun with the dominants because they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different colors you can add to a dominant chord, right? But again, we only have so many fingers, so get the melody and get the third and the seventh, and then start experimenting with colors. 
Okay. Yeah, and I have short fingers and small hands. So well, that's what we have a that's what we have a pedal for, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, thank in you. Fact, yeah, you're welcome. If you go, I actually have a white. I know this might help you. A website I just got, which is called One Handed Piano Lessons, and mm-hmm. you can actually, if you want, I'll send you a couple of arrangements, and you'll see. Um, I've written over 80 one-handed arrangements for this lady here in Chicago who had a stroke. I can only use her right hand. So, you know, I'm happy to send you, uh, you can listen to a couple. We can listen to dozens of my that, arrangements. That's pretty amazing because even without the bass notes, when you add the coloring, it still sounds really rich. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. But it's all yeah. about, obviously you have to have the melody and then going for the, yeah. going for those colors, right? And you can, if you pedal, uh-huh. right, you can catch some uh, bass lower notes uh, later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I'll be contacting you. Oh, great. Thank you, Connie. Appreciate Thank it. you. All right. We have Tyann Wilma. Tyann, how is it? How is Oregon today? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. It's not me that has a question, though. I got Julia in here. Of course. You guys are the... Uh, the uh, compadres from uh, Oregon, the piano player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Hi. Hi. I was wondering, do dominant, I mean, no, wait, do diminished sevenths have flat and sharp options as well? You mean colors, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. I love that one. Here's a, here's a real golden nugget. Anytime you have a diminished chord, this mm-hmm. is C diminished seven. The possible color notes for any diminished chord are the diminished is a diminished seventh built on the second note of the chord that you're trying to add color to. So if this is a C diminished seven, right? The second note of the scale is D dog. And if right. all the possible colors are the notes of D diminished seven. So here I've got like the ninth. Hold on. There's the D, which is uh, obviously part of the D diminished seven. Here's the F. Sh- hold on. Here's the F. Let's see. Hmm. And then we got uh, A flat. Hold on. And then we've got the B. Okay. Oh, so, so you yeah. Work your way up the, the D major seventh for the, the diminished. D, yeah, the D diminished seven are the four color notes you can try with a diminished seven. But remember, it's built on the second note of the chord. So if the chord is C, the color is uh, colored. Possible color notes are D diminished seven. Wait, oh wait, if you're playing in the key of C, you mean? No, I'm saying if you're playing a good question. I'm saying if I'm playing a C diminished seven specifically, C diminished seven, right? Then the colors I can add to that are the notes of D, as in dog, D diminished seven. Those are the four color notes oh. with a C diminished seven chord. Oh, okay, okay. We're not Thank talking. Yeah, we're not. Ta- we're not talking chord. Sorry, we're not talking scales or keys. We're just saying anytime I have a diminished seven, let's say I have an F as in Frank. Frank diminished seven. Just go up one whole step from the name of the chord. Frank up a whole is G. The color I can do with add to a F diminished seven chord are the notes of the G diminished seven chord. Oh, okay. I think I get it now. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. All right. We have a phone number. It's 
You may. Hi, uh, my name is Estelle. This is my first time listening in, and I would like a little bit more information about how you teach. And if I don't use a computer, and my iPhone isn't my phone is not an iPhone, and it's not real smart. But <laughs> I just wondered how you teach, and uh, if you had a phone number you could give out so I could sure. give you a call and and sure. discuss it with you. Thank you. Yeah, I can give you the number now before I forget. It's um, area code 847. We're not supposed to give out phone numbers. Oh, okay. With ACB, ACB, so. Okay. I don't know about your business. Yes, you can. Okay, I I wasn't sure. Sorry. So, is that, and I can give out the phone number? Yes, you can. Oh, okay, thank you. Yes, thank you, Estelle. So my phone number, sure. uh, you can text me or, or phone me either way. At eight four, area code 847. 847, okay. And then 401. 401, okay. And then 1721. Okay, I will try to get on the website. My phone can do a little bit of internet, but it's not real good. But uh, I, I think your your program sounds great, and I'd like to learn more about how you teach it. And uh, sure. I used to play. I used to play a little when I could see, and I can't read the music anymore. So mm -hmm. I would really be interested in learning some of sure. these techniques that you're talking about. Sure. Yeah. Let me give you a brief. Uh, you know run through uh, my, my system and uh, people who've heard this before, just bear with me for two minutes, but basically uh, it's all chord based. So you would learn the three note chords. The first lesson, for example, group one is all white notes, C major, F major, G major. So I group the chords in terms of common color characteristics. Okay. So C major, F major, G major. Then you would learn group two, D, E and A major, I have a black note in the middle. That's the differentiation from group one, all white, to group two, black in the middle. Group three is Oreo cookies, basically black, white, black. And then the last group, group four, is there's no common color characteristic, F sharp, B, and B flat. Okay? So in a nutshell, you get those chords like your name, basically, you know, first lesson or so. And then we can learn there's four other types of three note chords and we can get three of those four by just moving one note. So if I play C major, you move one finger and you get C minor. Right? Kind of like when you first learned to read, maybe you read Dr. Seuss, you learn the word cat, change the one letter, rat, sat, bat, same idea. Get your majors like your name. And then just change one note and you get minor, augmented, and three of the four remaining triads. Okay. There's no reading of notes, obviously. Uh, there's no you just know the chords. And then I show how to use them very practically. That's Louis Louis, or we might do uh, Lean on Me. All right. So we're reinforcing the chords with songs, not just some pedantic, boring drill. Okay. So you learn 60 triads. You can certainly learn 60 triads in the first lesson or two. Uh, and then we add melody notes to, the, to those triads. Okay, and then very, very quickly, I have several methods that I teach. One is 
I'll send you the, an audio file that you can click on and it will play. It'll say the letters of the, of the melody, E, B, 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 B very slowly. Uh, and of course the names of the chords, which you'll know from the chord drills. So that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell, but basically you're playing three notes in the left hand with one in the right, which is a very big sound, even for six months, let alone, you know, first couple of lessons. And along with that, I'm going to teach you the theory. It's not just put your finger here, you know, turn the page, see you next week. You'll understand chords, how they're built, how they function. In other words, I'm teaching you how to fish, not just giving you a fish. So that's 40 years of my method in four minutes, three minutes. Okay. So I hope to hear from you. Please don't hesitate. I really I really appreciate that. I I would like to know when you have a lesson, are you actually conversing with us over the phone, or do you send a CD? Or mm-hmm. I don't know about if I can get an audio file on my phone. I've never tried that before. No worries. So I no. wondered how, how you go about teaching mm-hmm. it. Sure, uh, the audio files. I'm putting them up on blindpianolessons.com. So if you have a friend or you have a computer or can get there on your phone, you can hear it. I can also send it to you via, an, in, it's a link inside of an email. You just click on that link. But to your question, um, I would say all, 99% of my visually impaired and blind students I teach over the phone. So if you have a phone, it has a speaker on it. And I'm at my piano here and my speaker, and it's, it's over the phone. In fact, I've been doing the distance learning since 2002 when my daughter was born. My first five years were all just over the phone. So I can hear what you're playing. They're my arrangements. Uh, you know, my ear has gotten better and better over the years. So it's pretty simple technology, you know, cell phone or a mobile home-based phone. Just hit the speaker and, you know, study with a master jazz pianist. Okay. Well, that sounds great. I look forward to being in touch with you. Thank you so much. Ditto. Thank you, Estelle. Apologies to all the my current students and potential who heard this before, but uh, again, I'm hopefully getting new people listening in, like Estelle. So there we have it. Any other questions, or shall I continue? There is one from a five seven one nine one seven. Yes, me again. Hi, Mark. I just wanted to ask one question. Um, 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 I wondered if, um, like, like I could call and order. what are your books? So, uh, what, what do you call it? One that has 100 songs or something in it. If I could do it over the phone, I don't do a whole lot of transactions online. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, well, I'm currently, let's see if I answer your question. <laughs> I'm currently writing my jazz method book, so it's not actually published yet. However, I have the, you know, the text, the pages of the book. I'm about, about 40% done with it in, um, you know, as a PDF file slash word, I guess. Um, so yeah, I could send you parts of that um, in terms of, you know, I have over 400 uh, instructional videos that uh, I send you the link for. And I have over 500 audio only, audio instructional podcasts that I've um, aggregated over the years. So those are, you know, another means of learning. Um, I offer, offer, you know, purchasing of my videos if you want to just learn on your own. Um, but the best value really is uh, to take some real-time lessons and I throw in two or three instructional videos, you know, per, per request or per, per lesson. So a lot of different options, you know, 
terms of budget and time, et cetera, and learning, right? Well, oh, did that answer? I learned a lot over these two phone, over these uh, couple of phone calls that have been on the show. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thanks. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to keep it interesting for people who are listening uh, weekly. But yeah, it's 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 just uh, I love it because it's creative, but it's also you know it's really using our brain. It's it's uh, you know they did a study and playing the piano uses more parts of the brain than any other activity. So um, when they definitively figure out that playing the piano thwarts Alzheimer's, I think I'll have plenty of students. <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's great. You know, it's great therapy. It's great to be able to play music, to be creative, right? But it, jazz is very creative. It's very, there's a system. But then, okay, when do you want to use a flat nine? Oh, when do you, oh, I tried an 11. Oh, I like that. How about 11 with a flat nine? We didn't even talk about combining the colors, right? If I do like uh, G11, how about G11 with the flat nine? Right, a little darker. How about G uh, sharp 11 with the 13. So I'm not a mathematician, but if there's seven different color notes that you can do with a dominant chord, flat nine, nine, sharp nine, 11, sharp 11, 13, flat 13. Right? The combinations thereof have got to be in the dozens, right? So here's happy birthday with combining a lot of colors. This is a flat nine and sharp 11. Right? Got a very mysterious one. Here's a flat nine with a sharp 11. Here's a 13 to the flat 13. Oops, how about a flat nine? Here's a minor 11. Ooh, that's pretty. Now here's a 13 with a flat nine, rootless. All right, that's a G chord, but there's no G. But to Connie's point, uh, we don't need, I think it was Connie, someone, right? We don't need the root and the fifth. I've got everything with the kitchen sink, but I don't have the root. I don't have a C anywhere in that chord, but it's a C with all this color, right? Nine, 13, third, fifth. All right. Okay. So not to repeat myself, but to repeat myself, right? you got these seven different colors with any dominant chord, and then you can combine those for literally at least a couple dozen permutations thereof, right? And that's what makes jazz jazz. It's like, wow, I know I can do all these different things. What do I want to do? Do I want kind of an ominous sound? Do I want a bright sound? Do I want a really bright sound? And that's another thing. When you start playing these chords, at least for myself, I can quantify, jazz quantifies sound. 13s are bright. Right? 11s kind of I'll keep you hanging. Right? Flat nine's got that bite. Right? So you start to quantify sound, and then when you get really good, you go, well, I want this kind of sound. Well, okay, I want that. Right? Let's say I wanted to do, let me think about that. So Misty, I'm going to, uh, Julia's point, she asked, what colors can we do with diminished? So here's a diminished. So here's diminished. Right? Resolving into itself. So let me see if I can do a different color here. How about sharp? All right. So I add a little bit of color to the diminished. All right. So that becomes kind of my signature of mine. Okay, I like that particular color. 
uh, what works for me. But it all depends on the um, the context and the melody. There's certain melody notes that will just prohibit you from doing certain colors. And the one interval that's really bad on the piano is the octave and the half step. Having said that, Beethoven uses that interval because he wants that tension from playing uh, Moonlight. Right? He wants it. He's Beethoven. He knows he wants that dissonance, that tension, because he's going to resolve it. Right, so the tension. And then the resolution. Okay, so there are times that you want that tension, but you want to control it. It wants to be purposeful. All right? So uh, all these... But there, this is all intellectual, right? It's all of our, it's all our mind and our ear. It's not dots on a page, meaningless dots on a page, unless you understand chords and the language of music. My best friend's a piano teacher. It's really a language, right? And just like a, English has a syntax, right? We say I live in the greenhouse. Spanish has a syntax, Casa Verde, house green. Well, music has a language. But you've got to start and understand it's all based on chords. And the language of music is what's called the circle of fifths. That's the syntax. That's the order in which chords move in music. Right? Uh, I know some of you heard this before, but there are some new people. Basically, chords move down by fifth. So if I play a song, I'm typically on C. It's going to go to F. It's going to go to B flat. What I call the true circle of fifths. Well, most teachers don't even know this, let alone students. You can't teach what you don't know. So there's a syntax in music, and it's in everything from Beethoven to Brahms to Bach, you know, to Billy Joel, Elton John. All right, here's a song. Let me play this one. Right, this is Rocket Man. Let's see. That was a G chord. Going to C. Okay. I know that. Here's a better example. Uh, let's do. Um, here we go. This is G. Going to C. Going to F. B flat. E flat. Right? I haven't played that song in a couple months, but I know it's circle with this. So it's not just in Beethoven, Bach, Chopin, it's in. It's in every Western civilization music. Don't ask me why. Well, I kind of know why. I don't want to get into it. Just trust. It's, it's called the circle of this, and that's how chords move. Now, if you go on the internet, you'll see a hundred different videos. You'll see this clock, this circle. Do we go clockwise, counterclockwise? No. I have a mnemonic, basically C, F, and then the next four spell the word bead, as in jewelry bead, B flat, E flat, A flat, D flat. So things like that, I'll call them, you know, professional secrets, golden nuggets, whatever you want to call them. Um, these are things that I've, you know, teach and, and incorporate into the way I play um, because I've been teaching for 40 years and I'm only 38, 39, whatever I am. It's amazing. <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's the syntax. Okay, music is a language that has a syntax. But you don't get to that when you're just playing dots on the page. Okay, so that's, the, that's a chapter in my book. Again, I haven't published the book, but it's a chapter I've finished, and I call it Chord Coloring. Uh, the next chapter, um, assuming there's no questions, 
The next chapter is what I call chord insertion, putting chords in there into the, into the song that aren't there. So let's say I'm doing a tune like Alfie. Basically the first chord is C major seven. And the second chord is D minor seven. Right. Well, let's say I wanted to add a chord, insert a harmony, add a chord in between those two. I could do right, A7 flat nine. I know A7 flat nine demands resolution down a fifth, circle with fifth movement, to a D minor. So I know D minor is right. That's what Bert Bacharach wrote. Everyone plays D minor there. Right? But I want to put a chord in between those for more color. Okay, let's do this. Let's see how much color I can add to that A dominant. Right? We said there are seven different colors. Let's try something. Whoa, that's different. That was a flat nine and a sharp 11. How about, oops. There's a sharp 11 and a nine. That's okay. How about an 11? Resolve. That's not bad. Right? But I know from experience that a dominant seven, this is a golden nugget, an always statement. If I'm targeting a minor chord, which I am, right, the D minor is the minor chord. If I'm targeting a minor chord, I know a dominant seven flat line is the best chord to precede a minor. So... So I know that. So this is A7 flat nine. It sounds best. Okay. All right. Then we got G dominant. Let's do a 13. Or a flat 13. That's better. Here's my C major nine. Here's a sharp 11. Here's a minor 11. Oh, that's pretty. Here's your diminished, Julia. And a little more color. Let's try a different color note. That's out there. That's out there. Ah, that one I like. It's an E flat diminished seven, so I'm thinking one whole step up. F, the notes of F diminished seven are the color tones I can use. So here's, wow, that's pretty nice. Minor 11, as you diminish with the color, etc. All right, so certain chords move other chords really well. And one of the golden nuggets that uh, I teach is if you have a minor chord as a target, target being any known correct chord that you're, you're going to move into, um, if you have a minor chord as a target, Dominant seven flat nine works per the best. It uh, demands resolution to minor. Okay, so you get these eight or ten or twelve concepts, and you just start applying them. Right? How many songs have minors in them? Everyone, and lots of them, right? So uh, that's basically the concept between chord coloring. Excuse me, chord insertion. All right. So let's say, for example, I had. An A minor chord was my target. Well, I know if I go up five letters from my target, I know that E7 flat nine, right? 
wants to go down a fifth to A minor. Right. So very powerful circle of fifths and uh, this concept of inserting chords. Okay, let's go back to happy birthday. If there's no questions. Let's say I want to insert some chords into happy birthday. First chord is G dominant. Okay, that chord is a G dominant seven. I'll just kind of throw this out there. What's the strongest pulling chord to G, to a G chord? Right, up a fifth. I could play a D seven right before the G chord and it might sound great. Let's try it. There it is. And that D wants to go to G. Here's a D minor. Well, let's see if I can put an A7 flat nine before the D minor. Here we go. So here's D inserting D dominant to the G. Now I'm going to insert the five of D minor, which is alpha. There's my D minor. Now this is five of C, G to C. That's a C dominant. Of course, it's going to go to F down to fifth. Now, right, here's my C. My target is G, so I'll do a D before the G. Now the G and G home. Of course, that's the circle. D, G to C. Remember, circle is down five letters. D chords tend to go to G chords. G chords go to C kind of going fast, but not maybe so fast for some of my <laughs> students who are listening. So I'm trying to get a balance there. Are there any questions? Or was that um, perfectly clear? <laughs> there are questions. I don't know how long your thing runs to, but it's 459. So yeah, I can go to, I can do, go to a quarter after if people okay. are still interested. Yeah. Then there is one question. It's called zoom user. Zoom user. Okay. That's me, Beth. Uh, thank oh, you very much. Hi, um, this is my Hi, first time here and I'm really enjoying it. I have a thank question. You. I don't have a way to practice right now. This is a general question. Mm -hmm. I have played before a lot. Mm -hmm. And the thing that always has plagued me is how, when you're playing, how can you remember what notes you're going to next in your chords? In other words, how how do you how does it just pop up in your mind? You know, you're going from a C chord to an F to a G to a E minor or whatever it is. How do you just do it without having to think through it? Because in music, if you're playing it live, you don't have time to think. Yeah, right. That's true. Well, um, I think it has all everything to do with how when you're playing, are you thinking or are you just playing it the thousandth time? And your muscle memory takes you there because that will go oh. away, right? So, again, for the for the people listening who heard this, very briefly, I went to Grand Cayman Island. I was 23. I couldn't play a song from memory. What? Okay. But no one showed me the circle of fifths. So I'm actually thinking, you know, I'm thinking uh, F to B flat. I'm thinking that. But it's not a hard thing to think about because I've rehearsed in my mind and known the circle of fifths you know, the mnemonic for decades, right? So that's the easy part, okay? So, yeah, it, it can't be wrote. It can't be I played it a thousand times. 
I'm thinking A minor there. I'm not thinking. In other words, I think when you play from classical, because I did it myself, it's just you played it so many times, but that will go away, right? So you want to play one song for six months? Go ahead. I'd rather play 60 songs and understand how chords move because they have a there is a system of how chords move. Diminished chords, right? Move by half step. I didn't know that until I started teaching. They move by half step. So I'm on a C chord. And the next chord is D minor. Well, what's the note between a C and a D? Oh, C sharp. Let's try a diminished because that's really a diminished function. They move by half steps. Sounds good. The it next does. Chords... This is fascinating. But how do you think of the notes that you want? In other words, how do you, and I'm, I'm oversimplifying it here, but suppose you didn't know that the C chord was C-E-G and the F was, you know, F-A-C. How, how do you think through all of the notes that you're trying sure. to play and get your fingers in the right position when everything is gets like a conveyor belt? There's no time. Mm. Okay. Well, the honest answer is you do drills so that you can do the majors in six seconds. C, F, G, D, E, A, D flat, E flat, A flat, F sharp, B. Yeah, you don't have wow. time to figure out. You don't have time to figure out the notes. No, you but, don't. And does that you know. go for chord inversions too? I mean, you're not always in the in the tonic position, you know, in the straight. Root position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's called root position. Yeah. I, it depends on the student. Um, I find with the visually impaired that I do do teach the inversion. Sometimes I'll just go from the triads to the four note. Depends on the student. But I here's a quick little nugget. Let's say I'm doing the progression one six two five. If you're visually impaired or blind, you got to jump right one six two five. So I'm thinking, how do I expedite that with minimal movement? Well, that would be inversion. C major root. Just move one finger and you get the A minor inverted. If you understand that. Right? D minor root, move one finger, you get the G dominant seven. Okay, so I'm constantly thinking, how can I minimize movement, perhaps, depending on the student? So that's mm -hmm. to your point about inversions. Yeah, that's to me, although you, again, it's not just a muscle movement, you'll understand that that's A minor inverted, but that's a way of minimizing the movement. Tons of songs. I'm sorry, it all, it all comes, all of this comes down to, practicing and practicing and practicing until you really don't have to think about this stuff. Right. That's right. It's, yeah. That's those chords. Muscle have to, memory. For the chords, I would say, yes, Yeah, it's definitely muscle memory, but you'll nail, you'll know the name of the chord. And guess what? Let's say you just learned one chord a day. You'd have 360 chords in a year. There aren't even <laughs> 300. There are, there are not 360 chords out there. No. <laughs> okay. There's 60 triads. There's 84 four note chords. You can play thousands of songs with that. So, yeah, mm -hmm. you get those sec second nature. And then, of course, what's changing best is the melody. Every melody is unique. But if you know the melody and you have a decent ear, and this is my whole point, when the chords become second nature, the chords will actually help you find the melody, believe it or not. Let's say I'm playing in, in the key of G flat. That's a tough key, but I'm thinking one, six. I know the next chord like my name, and I know the melody is going to be one of those notes in that chord. So it helps me find, I'll say it, if you know your chord's second nature, it can help you find the melody note because when you play a melody note with a chord, it's typically part of that chord. It might sound mm -hmm. obvious, but it's very helpful if you're in G flat. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't yeah. play that. If I was playing just the melody, well, I just did it. But if I was playing just the melody, I would have much bigger chance of playing the wrong melody note. But if I'm thinking the chord, 
I'm gonna probably play. I'll play one of the notes of the court, and I'll probably be correct. Much less guesswork. Yeah. Okay. So. What happens if you're playing the bass with your left hand and the rest of the chord and melody, because they're usually part of the chord, with your right hand? Does any of this mm-hmm. change with that sort of scenario? Well, you would have to you would have to see uh, the inversions because you're playing. Depending on the melody note in the right hand, you might not play the root. You might have to play an inversion because you can't yeah. span like yesterday, right? It's an F major is the first chord in the song yesterday. I can't reach F, A, C, and the G very comfortably at all. So I know the important notes back to my earlier statement are the third and the root and then the fifth. So I'm going to play the third, the fifth, and I'm not going to play the root because that's next to the melody. So my, my point is, yeah, you'll have to play an inversion which mm-hmm. necessitates that you see the root position like your name in order to get the inversion, <laughs> right? Okay, so. well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. This is really fascinating. And if I ever get to a point where I have a piano handy to practice, I'll get in touch with you. Thank you. Appreciate the Thanks. question. Uh, thank you. Very, very cool. Fascinating. Yeah, Beth understands the pertinent questions. It's like, yeah, how do you do that when you're playing a bass note? Yeah, so if I'm playing uh, yesterday with a bass note, my left hand. I'm going to play the notes of the chord and the melody in the right hand. All right, so here's the bass notes. Right. Oh gosh, there's so much to teach. Let me show you one other concept. And there's no other questions. We have less than ten minutes. Um, okay, let's go back to let's say uh, Alfie. So Alfie's got this fairly busy melody. First chord C major seven. Okay, so this is another way of, uh, I won't call it chord calling, but in what I call enhancing the melody notes. What you can do is you can play the melody and you can always, so quite a statement, but almost always play an under third, what I call under third. Okay, because thirds are constant or pleasing. So you can get a, a, what I call melodic enhancement a little bit fuller right hand instead of single notes. I can play the same melody, but I'm going to play the note a third below it for fuller or you know, enhan- enhancing the melody. And it sounds something like this. Right? Much fuller. So I typically will do that when I have an active melody, but a static harmony, right? The chord is C major, you really can't add too much after that. So under thirds gives me a nice full sound. I could also do what's called, or what I call under sixth. This is under sixth. That's nice, right? Nice full sound. I could do under thirds and an under sixth. Okay, so strategically when I play this song, first time through I'll play single melody. Then when I repeat it, I'll do the under thirds. And then the third time that melody comes up, because it does come up three times, I'll do like under thirds and under six. Very pretty, right? And because it's all under my hand position, I don't have to move. It makes it even easier in terms of unders. I call it unders, under thirds, under six. under tense. 
diminished color. Okay, so we talked about chord coloring, all these different colors. Uh, maybe next week we'll talk about chord voicings. How do you want to voice the C major seven? Do you want to play it in root position? Sorry, and what's called close, C-L-O-S-E, close position, meaning all the notes are as close together as they can be. Uh, in this case, C major seven would be C-E-G-B. Do I want to play it open, meaning transfer the third of the chord out of the left hand, up into the right. That's a cleaner sound. Do I want to play, I don't know, a tenth? Right? Or maybe a broken tenth. Right? Most people can't reach a tenth. So I have a drill. It's called root. And then you play five and ten together. People can reach that. So here's, um, let's say, nearness of you with broken tenths. Right? Here it is. Root. And then 510. Here's root 510 in the left hand. Very rich, very full. I can best illustrate that broken tense in the left hand, root 510, when I play um, a tune like Edelweiss. Here's the melody only for Edelweiss. I'm only going to play one note in the right hand but I'm gonna play this really rich broken 10th in the left hand. No sevens, right? no nines, but really rich root 510 in the left hand. All right, that's, that's a huge sound. And yet I'm only playing one note in the right and uh, one note in the left, and then two notes in the right. So here's a broken 10th again. Broken 10th. Broken 10th. But again, right hand is just a simple, you can't get any simpler right hand, single notes. There's a C minor seven. There's a dominant with a sharp five, etc. Okay, and you could do, I know we're running out of time. Uh, you could do the same idea, but with inversions, broken tenths with inversions. Here's a root position, broken tenth. Instead of jumping to the F, I could do invert it. I'm still playing an F chord, but I'm inverting it. I'm not playing the root. I'm playing the third in the bottom. So, so I have this nice smooth bass line. B flat, B flat, boy flat in the left hand is the root. Now I go down just a half step to the A in the root. And I'm still doing root. I'm still doing a broken tenth. Broken tenth. Here's a broken tenth, but it's not in root position. Very pretty, I think. Here we go. What's this? Minor 11, sharp five. Here's a quartal six nine. I don't think they use that in sound of music. It's a little, little bit uh, modern. But it works. Okay, so I, I know my options when I have a, a major chord. Major six, major chordal six nine, triad, nice, etc. So I know we only have just a few minutes. Any questions or comments? Um, um, again, if you go to my website, blindpianolessons.com. Uh, my daughter's building it for me and uh, just added some accessibility 
uh, and comments section. So I would love for some of you to go to there and say, you know what, Mark, it's good, but I can't get to this part or whatever, because again, I'm not visually impaired. So any comments, positive, negative, um, are always welcome at blindpianolessons.com. All right. There is a hand up. It's Pam. Okay. Just one question. What do you mean by inversion? Sure. C major is uh, in what they call root position. C major in root position means your lowest note is C. So you're playing C, E, G. And that's called root position. Again, your lowest note is the name of the chord, C. Inversion means we're going to rearrange the order. We're still going to play a C, E, and G, but instead of playing C, E, G from bottom to top, we're going to play E, G, C. We're going to put the what was the lowest note, C, up an octave, and that's called C first inversion. We've moved it one position upward. Still have the same notes, it's, but it's, the order has changed. It's E, G, C. But it's still a C chord, but it's been uh, rearranged the order. So C major root. And the process is you take the bottom note and you put it up an octave. Keep the other two the same. Right. So that's what's called C first inversion or C over E. It's the symbol you would read C over E. Now do the same process, the bottom note, up an octave, keep the other two the same, and you get what's called C second inversion. And if you do that process one more time, you get back to the root. So being a three-note chord, there's three possible, the three possible notes on the bottom of the chord, the C or the E or the G. That's what's called uh, root position. First inversion and second inversion. Hopefully that answered your question. <laughs> Actually, let me just say this too. I have another website. Um, my, my main website is Piano Web. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, let me just say this quickly. Uh, if you go to my main website, any of the listeners out there, Piano Web, one word, pianoweb.com. I have a drop-down menu called Learning Resources. You can read and see a video all about triads, triads and their inversions, four-note chords, the true circle of fifths. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. So go to PianoWeb, one word, .com. Click on the drop-down menu titled Learning Resources, and there's a bunch of, uh, there's probably 15 concepts or 15 pages of text that talk about inversions and chords and scales circle of fifths, et cetera. So thank you everyone for listening. Hope I didn't repeat myself too much for the, uh, for the ones who have been coming and listening regularly. And I appreciate everyone's questions and please don't hesitate uh, to go to any of my websites. Even if you want to just talk it over again, there's no obligation. Uh, I know this is a different concept teaching piano over the phone, but I've been doing it for 20 years. So I have a little bit to say about it. <laughs> and thank you. Katie and Angela.